0: Hi, I'm April Klimkevich. And I'm Amanda McClooney, and this is Her Step Forward, where we share stories from women who step up, step out, and step forward into careers and lives they love.
1: Our guest today is Shauna Von Blixen. She is the program coordinator for children's rights at the Council of the Baltic Sea States. And we met in Boston where we were both completing degrees and she taught this Florida girl how to make a snow angel. She previously worked for the US State Department and the European Union and holds a master in political science from Uppsala University. When she's not busy building international networks and landing grants, Shauna enjoys wandering around both in cities and in nature, especially in her home base of Stockholm, Sweden. Welcome Shauna.
0: Thanks so much for having me. We're so excited you could join us today.
1: Yes, especially (laughs) with the big time difference. Thank you.
2: Yeah, you know, it's a a big six hours, but here we are. Here we are.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, Shauna, to get us started today, can you talk to us a bit about how you decided to move from your background in a creative career, which is graphic design, to one that is now related to international diplomacy? Yeah.
2: It's a, a bit of a happy accident and uh, taking random opportunities as they come, I, I think. So <laughs> I've been working in, in creative industries ever since I was a kid. I was a dancer in a previous life, and I thought I would do that for, for the rest of my life. But uh, I, at some point, I realized my body probably wouldn't really be able to handle that. So I ended up moving into the, the visual arts with photography and graphic design. And I I actually had a quite cool corporate job in the the visual arts field that gave me a really unique opportunity to work with all kinds of different people and different kinds of tasks. And I learned the types of things that you just don't learn about yourself in school, in in a non-school environment when you have to... Use internal networks and office politics and and all of these things. It, it's a, it's a whole new world. so I, I figured out eventually that something I'm really good at and really like doing is connecting people who are working on totally different kinds of tasks and uniting them on the same on the, on the same idea. and in in this job, I was uniting graphic designers and software engineers they don't speak the same language even a little bit but me being a very technical person was able to to make that connection happen describing to the designers what the limitations really are and what the possibilities could be that I'm talking to the the software developers about and in the same breath taking the needs of the of the designers to the developers and talking out with them how can we make this work how long do you think it would take? We this would save us so much time. And I think it would be a great thing for you to do as well. And yeah, I for a period didn't really know. I knew I wanted to use that skill much more in my career. And um, but I wasn't I wasn't sure how to do that until here comes the happy accident. I was in line at a UPS in Waltham, Massachusetts, <laughs> of all places. And at least at that time, this this UPS had a strange procedure for picking up packages. They would take maybe like six to eight people into a back room, and you'd wait in this room. It's like an office. Imagine, you know, government building from the 70s kind of furniture.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This sounds like the beginning of a horror film, but go on.
2: (laughs) I was thinking, because I said out loud when we were in this room, like, this kind of feels like what would happen in a third world country. Mm-hmm. And the woman who was standing next to me said, actually, yeah, you're right. This is how they do it. <laughs> so I, I pushed her a little bit. Well how how do you know? And she said that she's a diplomat. And a light bulb went off in my head because a few years earlier I had done a study abroad in London. And when I came back, I went to a seminar for people who had just um, come back from study abroads. And there was a diplomat who was there who was presenting about her work and what it's like to work for the State Department and to be a diplomat and work in those types of fields and, and what the work is and, and things like this. And I thought, yeah, wow, that's super cool. I have an interest in international relations, even though I'm you know studying communications. But right now I need to focus. I need to get my degree. I need to get a job. Maybe we'll think about that later. And so this woman reminded me of this and bada bing, bada boom. (laughs) About a year after that, I was in Sweden working on exactly that, retooling myself to to be ready to work in international relations, which is what I'm doing today.
0: What a cool story. And I do love the part that you pointed out how hard it is to be the liaison who communicated between graphic designers and software engineers because I've spent the last four years in, in the tech world. So you certainly have a unique skill set if you're able to help those different types of people communicate and understand each other.
2: Yeah, it's, it takes some diplomacy. <laughs> it does. It does. They
0: see things very differently. <laughs>
1: And something that spoke to me about what you just shared is the idea of this happy accident. I think that when, when people look at successful people, they see, wow, they must be lucky or something really easy must have happened for them or their parents must have given them a lot of money or something like that. And more often as I talk to people, it's more of just a little reminder or a push, or a tiny light bulb. And you can do whatever you want with that. You can ignore it for years and years and years in your whole life. Or you can say, you know what? Yeah, that is something that's important to me. Let me think about it. What could I do? How could I get there? And yeah, I mean, I I would say that maybe it was luck that you happened to bump into that woman in the UPS hidden secret back room. (laughs) But also you know, maybe you wouldn't have done anything with that, but you being you, you did. And so you created this for yourself. And I think that's beautiful.
2: Oh, thank you so much. And uh, you're, you're so right. You know, people from all kinds of backgrounds manage to make things happen one way or another. I, of course, um, in this field know a lot of people who do come from privileged backgrounds and had help one way or another to get to where they are. But I'm certainly not one of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, my my dad is military. My mom is a stay-at-home mom. So it's it's not like we're we're rolling in the cash. And, and I certainly had a very supportive upbringing. And even now, if I needed help, of course, they would be there. But it's not like I was receiving an allowance from anybody. I, I made it happen through sheer determination and a lot of suffering, to be mm. frank. <laughs> i I suffered a lot to get to where I am <laughs> mm. very um, stubborn I, I knew what I wanted to achieve, uh, and it uh, it wasn 't easy
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Well, I had mentioned earlier that we met in Boston, and you 're originally from the United States, yet you went to graduate school in Sweden, you worked in Belgium, and eventually settled in Stockholm as a dual citizen. Can you talk to us about the experience of integrating into a culture different from your home culture and what it was like to go through all of that?
2: Yeah. So I wouldn't say Sweden is so dramatically different from the United States as say like India or or China or you know South Korea or something like this. But mm-hmm. uh, there are definitely some differences. For one, when you even when you have uh, some reason to be in a country. So for me, I came to study. I got a student visa uh, and I had all the papers to go with that. But still, there are administrative black holes that exist. You need to have your social security number to do a number of things But in order to have that, you need to have an address, but you need to be able to pay your rent. So you need a bank account and you just, it's death by a thousand cuts. You're trying to figure Mm -hmm. out how can I land here Mm -hmm. and why did I come to Sweden? I couldn't tell you. It just, it just happened. I I picked, I picked Sweden on a map. I had been here as a, as a tourist and, uh, so I didn't I didn't have any reason to be here other than my studies. I I didn't know anybody. I don't have any family connection whatsoever. So I didn't really have anybody to help me. And and even if I did, I'm not sure it would have helped because sometimes when you end up in this administrative black hole, you're reading a lot online about um how does this work and what's the policy? And even if it's in English, it doesn't mean you're going to understand it because the person who translated into English might not have really thought about how they were translating it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And in terms of, like, differences, the systems are just logically different. And you don't really appreciate that for what it is until you experience it. Uh, And, yeah, so since I didn't, I grew up with American Government logics and Massachusetts state government logics. So transporting that into Sweden, it just doesn't work. You, you really it's trial by error. Does this work? Oh, no, that's that's not how it, they meant it. So it's so that's that's one thing, the administrative barriers. Then of course there's the language. And I've gotten to a point now where I can babble off in Swedish, you know, perfectly fine and, and get along in my day-to-day life and even get some work done in Swedish. But uh there was a period of time where it was not like that at all. When I first came here, I didn't I didn't ever plan to go back to the United States, but I didn't plan to stay here either. So <laughs> I didn't bother really learning the language. In a formal setting, I I, I did eventually uh, pick it up by paying attention and and, trying here and there. But, for example, there were some parties that I went to where it was really tough because I really wanted to get to know these people, but they didn't want to speak English with me. And so they were all speaking Swedish with each other, and I felt so incredibly left out by this group that I wanted to be a part of and it was important for me to be a part of this group to feel like I had a place here Mm -hmm. so there were a lot of nights that were like that that were really difficult for me and uh with those two things alone if I were a less stubborn person I would not have made it work (laughs) for sure
0: I think and you're absolutely right. I think that stubbornness really helped you to to <laughs> get to where you are because anyone who was not like pretty stubborn probably would have just given up.
2: Yeah abs- absolutely. it's uh, it's it's a challenge uh, to to keep reminding yourself that this is what I've signed up for. i I knew what I was getting into and it's gonna work out somehow. I've just got to power through this weird time. Uh, another one of those weird times was in a quite lonely period a number of years ago. I've, I've been here for 10 years now, maybe maybe five, six years ago. I really had a, an identity crisis. Do I feel Swedish or do I feel American? And the answer is no. <laughs> uh, I will never feel totally Swedish, even though I have a citizenship now. I didn't grow up here. So there's just so much culture and history that I will never just automatically feel in my soul and on the flip side I, there's a reason why I left the United States I didn't really ever feel like I fit in there either so I think the conclusion there is I'm not American or Swedish I'm me and that's great and I accept that for what it is and and actually quite appreciate that for what it is so
1: that's beautiful. And it's interesting how one identifies themselves. So if I'm traveling through South Florida and people say, oh, where are you from? I'll, I'll give the name of the city where I'm from. If I'm traveling throughout the United States, I'll say that I'm from Florida. If I'm traveling internationally, I'll say that I'm from the US. So it's it's just interesting because that the US could be like California. It could be New York. Those aren't my home, <laughs> but you know how somebody else sees that is pretty interesting too. And so I'm sure it was really difficult not only answering those questions because obviously you're not Swedish. So I'm sure that you would get that from local people, but also kind of thinking about it for yourself and like, but, but what am I, how do I fit in? Yeah. And I love that the conclusion is that you are you because you are awesome. Aw, thank you. You're <laughs> I, I'll, I'll just speak to this point
2: a little bit here about when you're traveling around, how do you identify where you come from? Um, you know, <laughs> of course, if you, maybe you've experienced this, April, when, when traveling internationally and you say that you're from the United States, but Where? And then, how far from New York is that?
1: (laughs) Right. Yes. 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 Like, have you been, how often do you go to New York? I'm like, well.
2: (laughs) No, but the United States being what it is, so many people around the world see it in the movies and in TV, and they've met Americans from Mm -hmm. all different kinds of backgrounds. So they have ideas of what it is to be an American. When I first came here, uh, people thought I was very loud. <laughs> so, <laughs> i worked, and I would say Sweden is very quiet. So I, I've worked uh, quite quite a bit to, to soften my voice and be a bit more thoughtful and also to slow down and listen to people when they're talking, when, especially people who don't have uh, English as their native language. I think mm-hmm. in the United States, our default is just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, just fill the air. But when you've got a non-native speaker there, if you just take a step back and you see, oh, they're thinking about what they want to say. I need to shut up. So they actually have space to say what they want to say. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's, a, it's a really unique experience to see what else comes out of that, letting that pause happen. Right. I also say that I, even though I'm from Cowtown, Massachusetts, middle of nowhere, I always say Boston because it's the closest big city. It's just the easiest answer.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. No, and we do the same here, you know, I think if if we're traveling especially outside of the states, it's easier to just say, "Oh, I'm here from miami, you know and and then, of course, like you said the the images from all the movies of miami and and south South Beach, south Beach specifically, <laughs> so everyone thinks it's like the most glamorous, like and you're like, oh and Ferrari yeah, you're like, well, not really, but okay, that's, that's true. <laughs> So Shauna, knowing that you're in Sweden and you're, you're focusing on diplomacy, can you tell us a bit more about what you do at the Council of the Baltic Sea States?
2: Yeah, sure. So um, a little bit of background. The Council of the Baltic Sea States is an intergovernmental organization. So what this means is that 11 countries plus the European Union have all decided that there's a number of things that they want to work on together and that um, doing it together because they're neighbors is a big added value. So one of those topics that they've decided is uh, important to work on as neighbors is uh, children's rights. So I work in the unit that is promoting children's rights, which we do mostly in our region of Europe, but because uh, we have a lot of uh, interesting learnings and, um, and best practices in our region, we're working with almost all, all of Europe to promote some things. So that's just a little bit of background of the what I'm what I'm doing, and what I actually do day to day. Um, well, it's different every day, but my my task is to activate a network of professionals who are meeting children in their difficult times in their lives. Be it when they're coming from. Different countries when they're migrating, when they're on the move, maybe they've been trafficked or exploited along the way. We're also working with experts who meet with children to hear their stories about their abuse and and their sexual exploitation. Um, so it, it's it's quite heavy stuff that we're working with, uh, and the the reason why that we're we're activating them is so that this international network can share their best practices and talk about the challenges and how they address them. We're also documenting the standards that they agree on that that they should work to achieve and also promoting these best practices to all of Europe and and even uh, on a global level.
1: So it's such important work. And mm-hmm. I know it's an interesting juxtaposition for you to be working advocating for children because we've spoken about this that from a young age you knew that you didn't want to have kids but you work in this area you ended up marrying somebody who has kids from a previous relationship so can you talk to us about your journey your thinking process and how not having kids of your own fits into your identity as a woman
2: yeah Uh... Again, a lot of happy accidents (laughs) in my life, uh, being in the right place in the right time to have a happy accident. Um, So, yeah, as you said, uh, since I would say even one of my earliest memories actually was coming to the conclusion that like, ooh, having kids, like, uh, that's not for me. Uh, (laughs) Really, um, it's not really about any one thing in particular. Uh, There's a, a lot of reasons that one can decide to not have children, but I, I don't really have a particular reason. It's just just not something that I have ever felt like was really something something for me. and um I'm really grateful that we're living in a time now that that women do have this choice that they can that they can decide you know our our mothers and our grandmothers and beyond. Mm-hmm didn't have so much choice. And I'm not talking about medical procedures here. I'm talking about the actual social pressure mm-hmm. that, that comes along with being a woman in, in motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, again, theme, being stubborn. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I know what's good for me. And um, yeah, I'm really grateful that I live in a time where I can Stay true to what I know is good for me. But uh, when it comes to my husband and his kids, I, I sometimes joke that um, I, I wanted a boyfriend and I ended up with three. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, life is life is happy. And before before I ended up with my three boys, I actually did try for a period of time to to save a relationship. I tried to change my mind. I, I really liked this guy. We had a good a good relationship we We really loved each other, but I just couldn't change my mind. I was driving myself almost literally crazy uh, trying to decide that it could be something for me so um but it worked out for the best. you know he's uh expecting a child in in two months now with with his partner, and I couldn't be more thrilled for them and I still have him in my life and his family. I, I call his family my Swedish family, and we're still there for each other, and I'm so thankful for that. And um, and then I ended up meeting my my husband and every single day we're making that active decision that we love each other and we're staying together and it's really lovely.
0: I'm so happy for you. And I, I know that it is probably a challenge that a, a lot of women face is to know what they really want for themselves. And I think a lot of us have been in a situation, like you mentioned, where you you try to way out, you know, can I really make this choice that someone else wants or what's best for me? And, and it's not always easy to make that decision. And, and I'm so happy that you shared that with us and you spoke your truth about, you know, I, I was trying to think about making a choice for someone else, but at the end of the day, you made the choice that still was the best one for you. So I'm glad that you stuck with what you know is the right choice.
2: Thank you so much. I I know it's really hard for a lot of people, men and women, to to make that kind of choice for one reason or another. Be it your your partner or feeling guilt because your your mom or your grandma really wants you to have a child. But um, yeah, it's it's not an easy decision when there's social pressures like that. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Shauna, backing up for just a minute one of the things that I'm kind of curious about is, you know, your work with the Council of the Baltic Sea States, you must deal with a lot of, you know, pretty emotionally heavy topics. And so I'm curious, at the end of the day, how do you go home and kind of, you know, leave some of that behind at, at your office? Or, or how do you, you know, separate your work and your life so that it doesn't just drain you all the time?
2: Mm. I'll first say that, um, that, Happily, a lot of my work is heavily administrative, <laughs> so um, you know I'm not reading case reports and things like this day in and day out. I think I'm promoting the work of the people who are doing that, and I think that they're heroes. And uh, yeah, they're really incredible people. Um, but then at the end of the day, you know the the work is never over. <laughs> There's always. 5,000 other things that I could be doing to help the mission and reach our our deadlines in a in a higher quality way than we already do so um, one thing that's important to me actually is as much as is possible not checking email when I leave the office <laughs> it goes really against I think the the ethos that has taken over work life in uh, the past 10 20 years but It's important to my mental health to have that that boundary, that I have space when I go home, that I am home and I'm working on personal projects. And then outside of that is spending a lot of time outside, actually. The last year or two, I've really discovered that being outside in the woods and even just wandering around the city is such a perfect opportunity to take in the fresh air and look at the birds and the the eggs that are on the ground and the mushrooms. This is actually how I got into it. My husband convinced me to go to a mushroom foraging little workshop and <laughs> obsessed. I mean, mushrooms are delicious. <laughs> and it for free in the woods like hell yeah <laughs> so the, I really just latched on to that uh, every single weekend in the fall I am outside in the woods looking for mushrooms and it just kept going on from there I decided you know what I'm gonna go on some hikes uh in the summer so about all the year we went on one of the hiker highways in Europe it's called Kungsleden the uh, the king's trail up in northern sweden we did that last last year and uh, almost died i'll skip that story um, <laughs> oh, we're
1: going to come back to that
2: <laughs> no it was just a really scary near hypothermia situation oh in the middle wow, of thunderstorm insane. that came out of nowhere wow. luckily on top of the mountain at that time that other people were but um, yeah, scary times. But then uh, I also reached out to uh, another former roommate of mine who I lived with in Brussels. Uh, I knew that she's doing a lot of mountain climbing and hiking and stuff like this. So I just shot her a message and said, you know, if you've got plans in the summer, I'd love to tag along because she has so much experience. I just thought, you know, she'd be the perfect person to sort of show me the ropes and and uh, that we could connect on on those things. And so we did that. We, we hiked the tallest mountain in Slovenia, where again, I, <laughs> I almost died. So maybe this is not, <laughs> maybe it's not the safest activity, but uh, it sure is a lot of fun. Uh, that time I nearly fell off a cliff, but I didn't. So I now have like a broken finger because of it still a year later.
0: <laughs> I thought we were talking about leaving stress behind, but this sounds very stressful. You
2: know, You're happy with be being- New stresses, you know? But to, <laughs> it's real life stuff that's happening to you in that moment, and you have to solve that problem right then. What am I going to do? Am I going to go down the mountain, or am I going to keep going up the mountain? I kept going up because there was nothing much to do about it, so...
1: That stubbornness <laughs> <Yeah>. paid off.
2: <laughs> and, uh, yeah. when you're when you're in the middle of it there's not so there's no hospital there's no there's, there, there's no team coming to help you you just got to figure it out and actually it, i think it's it's really refreshing <laughs> <laughs> to be there with your own thoughts and in this space and, and dealing with a real problem right now mm-hmm. i think uh, a, a lot of problems in the workspace tend to be a little fake problems. They're problems for everyone else. So then they become like a a bigger emergency than they really are. It can be very stressful when you really internalize that it's my job to solve everyone's problems. But um, so I I think it's why I I enjoy the the challenges of being outside that if I get lost or if I get hurt or, you know, whatever it is, it's my problem right there in the moment and I'm going to find a way to solve it. That's awesome.
0: Well, I'm
1: glad that you survived, Shauna. (laughs) (laughs) Multiple times. (laughs) (laughs) You must still have much to contribute to this world. I do not doubt that. (laughs) Well, to, to close today's conversation, I would love to ask you, what is your best piece of advice for women who are looking to take their next step forward?
2: Having, having a bit of courage go, goes a long way, but I think some of the most important turning points in my life have been things that I could have never seen coming uh, and actually have come out of opportunities that I at first thought like, wow, you no, know, that's, really, that's not really something for me. This corporate job, for example, that I was working at, I actually already had another job offer. But I thought, you know what? I have this interview lined up. I'm going to go to it anyway. I'm gonna. I'm just going to have a conversation with strangers and let's see what happens. And they really wowed me. And I ended up working there for a few years. And those things that I learned in that place at that time set me on the path to where I am now, to my beautiful life here in Sweden, working on a really meaningful mission and living my life with a man who loves me and... And with many friends near and far who I am so thankful to have in my life in this beautiful city, I couldn't wish for, for better. So being open to the things that are not obvious
1: is, uh, is my tip. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Shauna. That's
0: really great advice. <laughs> I love that as well. It's um, always good to, to kind of take a step back and, and see if there's a maybe up like a blessing in disguise, I would say. Well, with that, we want to say thanks to everyone for joining us today. And thank you, Shauna, for sharing your story with us.
2: Thank you guys. And I have to say that you're doing really important work with this podcast. And I really, uh, I really can't wait to hear all of the new stories that you have coming up.
0: Oh, thank, thank you. you. That's so sweet. And as always, we're looking forward to sharing more stories soon. In the meantime, check out our website at HerStepForward.com or follow us on Instagram at HerStepForward for all the latest updates. If you'd like to reach out to us, shoot us a message on Instagram or email us at info at HerStepForward.com. See you next time.